Welcome back to Train to Win, the podcast produced for the Association for Talent Development, Houston Chapter, inspiring talent development professionals to achieve their full potential. Hey, it's Bruce Abbott. Today, we want to showcase another one of our valued chapter sponsors, because without them, we wouldn't be able to provide great content, events, and programs. Tier One Performance is one of those great sponsors helping design workspaces that enable people to do the best work in organizations. And today, I have Greg Harmeyer, co-founder and CEO, and Ben Whipperman, Senior Solutions Consultant. Guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having yeah. us, Bruce. Looking forward to the discussion. Oh, I'm going to start with you, Greg. Tell us a little bit about yourself and Tier One. Sure. I um, So I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tier One. We've been around for 21 years this year. Uh, we live in the space of what we call strategy activation through people. And so uh, we work with mostly large organizations. You would know all, most of our clients, Google and Procter & Gamble and Eli Lilly and Delta Airlines, uh, and then a lot of like mid-market growing organizations on anything around helping their people perform at their best. So it's a combination of uh, kind of upfront consulting with senior leaders on major initiatives that are going on, everything from product launches to system implementations to acquisition integrations to cultural transformation, where we're facilitating with senior leaders clarity around where they're trying to go, what they're trying to accomplish, how they're trying to get there. And then the, the other, I'll say 75, 80% of our business is the actual activation of that work. So we do a lot of communications, you know, visual storytelling, um, certainly a lot of learning and development, systems and tools and technologies that support all that. So the breadth of kind of capabilities that support people in making those strategic initiatives come to life. So, so that's the space we live in. We're about 330 people today, have grown incrementally about 20 to 25% a year for the, for the 20 years we've been in business. That's fantastic. And Ben, uh, share your background and your role at Tier 1. Sure. Well, I'm pretty new to Tier 1. I've been here three months. Uh, my career in learning and development started about 16 years ago at AT&T, and I was there in pretty much every capacity you can think of for learning and development up until earlier this year. Um, it was time for me to make a change and tier one, we'd been a client of tier ones. And so that was one of the first places that came to mind when I thought of where I might want to be next. So here I am. Here you are. And, and, and on this podcast, <laughs> yes. too, right? You never knew where it was <laughs> going to go. Um, well, Greg at tier one, you mentioned you help leaders activate strategy through people. And where do you see the biggest opportunities for leaders to be more effective in bringing their strategies to life? You know, I think there's a few things. Uh, organizations are more agile, moving faster than ever before, and people changing more inside organizations than ever before. I think there's just a lot of uh, a lot of changes in jobs and uh, with people, you know, relative to 10 or 20 years ago. And when you look at those factors, I would say uh, clarity is a key one. So the ability to communicate clearly, tell a story, under, explain why an organization's going in a certain direction is critical. Um, systems thinking is a huge one because there's mul there's so many different initiatives going on at one time and people are overloaded with new things coming at them and especially when there's new people and new teams and so understanding the implications across projects and initiatives is a huge one and then there's this underlying foundation of creating an app uh, an environment of greater trust because trust reduces friction and allows people to work together more easily and allows people to adopt change more easily and so those are three kind of like big ideas that I think leaders and, and managers and organizations need to pay attention to uh, when you're trying to th think about rolling out new strategic initiatives is 
and how do they fit together? Do you have the trust to help people buy into things? And are you really fully clearly articulating kind of why things are happening, where things are going? Uh, and they set a foundation for, for all the rest of the work. Now, they can't see. I saw Ben nodding his head on several things. So what, what are your thoughts on that as well? To me, it, it rolls up to the human side of change. That's, that's what Greg, I, I, what I hear is strategy implied in there is change and taking a human-centered and holistic approach to that and how you implement it. Um, for me, anything with people is complex, Right. Like mm-hmm. I think about my motorcycle when something isn't working right or when I want it to work better, I can just slap on a part and get a really predictable outcome. And that's not how people work in an organization. You know, you can, I see two views happen a lot. There's the view that that complexity is really frustrating or maybe just inconvenient and we'll kind of ignore it. Uh, and having been at at and in that space, there are a lot of vendors that I worked with that kind of played into that with kind of magic solutions and easy answers to really, really challenging problems. The other view that I see leaders take is to see that complexity as an invitation, a place to get curious and to get more connected to the people and the context. That's what tier one did with us when I was a client. That's what they showed us how to do better. And that's what I get to do here. That's tricky. (laughs) It's challenging, but it's a really fruitful place to play. And I love this perspective too, because we're, we're seeing this from, from the perspective in this podcast of not only you guys as the organization, but your um, approach as being a client Mm -hmm. of that organization. So we get to see a a nice kind of both sides of the picture uh, in this podcast. Thank you, Greg, you were about about to say. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I just wanted to build off what Ben was saying. I, I think, um, one of the things that is really critical for organizations that I think we try to do well, and, and certainly Ben can, shows this through what he was sharing, is putting people at the center of the initiative as opposed to starting with the initiative itself. And I think so many organizations, whatever the strategic initiative is, whatever the strategic change is, start from that and push it out on people as opposed mm. to starting with the person at the center and working back to what is it the organization is trying to do to reach them. And when you do that, you understand their world a lot more and there's a lot more empathy and there's a lot more clarity for them when you start with them as opposed to starting with what it is you're rolling out. And you mentioned the word empathy right there. Uh, Greg, you recently wrote a book called Impact with Love, Building Business for a Better World. Tell us a little bit about what that book is about. I sense this concept of empathy throughout there and, and what compelled you to write this? So, you know, we've spent 20 years trying to build an organization that thought about work a bit differently and really did put people at the center of the work. And, and we start with this, this perspective of organizations exist to serve people very literally. Like that's the only reason to have an, an organization is to create value for other people. And when you, when you look at it through that lens, uh, you, you have a different view than what a lot of organizations were built on. The hierarchical traditional models that organizations are often built upon were built for a different purpose over the past, you know, 50, 100 years. And so we tried to build our organization differently. We learned a lot in that process. And, and in the most general sense, I would say we've tried to create a client-centered, highly empowered, distributed organization that builds on trust 
And uh, in the process of doing that, we learned a lot. And so the reason for writing the book was really to kind of share our experience and our journey with others who want to create environments that are healthy and high performing, that positively impact people's lives and do great work. And both of those have to, to be held up as uh, objectives. Um, so that's what the book's really about. It is predominantly for leaders who want to, to think differently about how to build an organization that positively impacts people. And not that everything that out there is bad by any means, it's just uh, ways of challenging and questioning and thinking differently about kind of how you might go about that. And I do wanna take, I have a couple of quotes that I'd like to ask you about from the book. You have a line in there that says this book is about impact and it's about leadership, but ultimately it's about people. It is aimed at people who want to think differently about business. How do you want us to think differently about business? Well, again, I would start with this notion of why business even exists. It's, it is an act of service, the creation of value for customers or for employees. Uh, and all other stakeholders, our communities is an act of service. And so thinking about business is an opportunity to positively impact people, people you lead, people you work with, whether you're not, whether they directly work for you or not, you're influencing people all the time through your work. And that to me, um, we don't put enough attention to that idea that, that the, you know, the, 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 the activity that we spend the vast majority of our waking hours doing is an opportunity to serve and impact others. And uh, it's not something like it's a, a, a something we have to do and separate from our lives. And we want to go back and do kind of whatever volunteer work or, or community work, which is great too. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying like work itself is an opportunity to serve and impact others and recognizing that reality. So seeing business as that op opportunity to serve um, and also thinking differently about how important trust is inside an organization. Most of our structures and historical models for business were actually built on distrust. I mean, they were actually built upon the idea that people need to be controlled and managed and directed. And, um, and so challenging some of that and the way we think about the role of trust in organization and the role of trust in people's lives and how it affects them both professionally and personally. Those are some of the kind of big things that we, we really explore here. I like this quote here. An organization has a personality, playful, serious, hardworking, friendly, compassion, helpful. In aggregate, is your organization like someone you like to be around? Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, I think again, I think it's a part of uh, a big part of our lives, right? Is the organization that we work for and um, and the idea that organizations have personalities and organizations are uh organisms of their own they're living breathing entities not literally but almost literally like we talk about organizations all the time in terms of um you know it's a high stress environment or it creates puts pressure on me or or it's created great opportunities for me well those aren't things that inanimate things do those are things that organisms do and so recognizing that it is an aggregate environment and uh and if you're gonna work for some place and spend you know 60%, 70% of your waking hours there, you want it to be something you want to be affiliated with. If it brings, if, if you go there and it brings energy to you, or you go there and it drains you, you got to really give consideration to that, both as an employee, is this good for you? Is it healthy for you? Is it healthy for your entire li life? And as a leader, are we, are we who we want to be? Is this something we're proud of creating? Is this a place that we feel good about 
what we're creating. And so it's just like, is this a place, is this a person that you would want to spend time with? And if it's not, you got a lot of questions to ask. <laughs> you had mentioned trust earlier, and, and there's a line in there that says, next to cash, trust is the most valuable asset an organization has. Arguably, it's even more valuable as the returns on it are significant. So that really, right there, that just solidifies what you were talking about with the trust issues. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think trust, it, it can feel a little trite when you talk about trust. We all know that we want to trust people and we want to trust the organization, mm -hmm. want to create trust in the organization. But I think it's got to be a lot deeper than that. Trust is intentionally created uh, and it's easily destroyed. And so like every act of a leader inside an organization has the potential to either strengthen trust or significantly damage it. And being conscious of that uh, if, if when you think about that in light of like cash, profit, ca capital, people are conscious of all those decisions all the time, mm -hmm. but less so about which ones affect whether people trust or not. And my view on that in, in that quote that you said was that when you have a high trust environment, you get more creativity, you get more innovation, you get more engagement, you get more discretionary commitment, you get more risk taking and collaboration and a willingness to work together. And the outcomes of the, all of those things are just tremendous. They're just tremendously impactful. Uh, and, and the again, the returns and the, 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 what comes out of that is just is, is really uh, critical stuff. And again, today more than ever before because of the nature of the, the environment we work in. And Ben, you know, it's so often easy to think these things are the responsibility of the C-suite. What would you share with talent and L&D leaders about how anyone in the organization, anyone mm -hmm. can impact the personality and trust within that organization. Yeah, I think about something we discuss at tier one, we have this, we share this idea of the tension of the and, right? And yes, it is the responsibility of the C-suite and it's everyone's responsibility. And there's a big challenge in that wherever you're at in the company, you know, whether you are just an individual contributor, whether you lead a team, there's a challenge in there around looking at yourself and your actions and what am I putting out into this space? What's my contribution? What's my example that I'm creating? And I've done a lot of work like with Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. It's been very influential to me. And there are two concepts that stand out around this that I think apply to anybody. The first, Greg, you kind of tapped into, that's that trust is built in small moments. The building of it isn't these hero moments, it's the small things. It's checking in with somebody, it's empathetic listening, validating what you're hearing them say and helping them feel seen and being generous, genuine with praise. It's the little things. The other piece that I love from Dare to Lead is this diagnostic idea around, she has an acronym called BRAVING. And it's a way to look at yourself. Do you really trust yourself first? And then evaluate other relationships. You know, do you hold boundaries? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you apologize when you make a mistake? Do you keep confidences? Um, oh, I'm gonna miss my list. Do you stay courageous rather than doing what's easy? Do you stay out of judgment? And can you be generous in your interpretation of other people? Like, it's, it's a really fabulous checklist, both looking at yourself, again, first, and then outward. Focusing on that for me 
when I was in individual contributor or leadership roles made a huge difference. You can create, even in a really challenging, massive space, pockets that are totally different that really change people's lives at work and beyond. You argue for transparency as a way of the organization giving trust to its employees. Uh, Greg, tell us about the importance of transparency and how that plays out. You know, one of the things we discovered pretty early on in our history, and, and I tell this in the book that we had, or in our early years, we didn't make any money. We weren't profitable for many, many years. We were barely breaking even. And pretty early on, um, I read a book by Jack Stack called The Great Game of Business, if anybody's ever read that. Uh, and it really advocated for this idea of full transparency about everything. Uh, and, it, and it resonated be, in, for a number of reasons. One was uh, the idea that people can't help with things they don't understand if they don't if they're not aware of what's going on uh, another though was this idea that when you start to share everything with everybody there is a greater amount of trust built and when we started to do this and we did it fearfully it was like i, I don't know if we want people to know what's going on because we're struggling you know <laughs> they might get scared away um we didn't have any of that and we what we had instead was a level of, you could see the level of engagement and commitment it brought to people that they felt like they were being included and that they were a part of what we were doing. And one thing that was interesting to me was they didn't have to understand all the details of everything we share because we'd get into financial data and a lot of metrics, but just knowing we had nothing to hide really made an impression upon people. And if you take that, you blow that up at a larger scale with, with other situations, I think when organizations make radical announcements about different things going on, and we saw this in the pandemic, I, I was really stunned sometimes when you would see companies who literally in the, in the same week would say, we're all in this together, and then later in the week lay people off. And, and it's just such a mixed message. It does way more harm than good to just say a positive message that's not authentic. I think if you don't know the answers to things, if you're unclear about where things are going, simply saying that is way better than than trying to tell a story that they th that you think people want to hear. Because what happens is people start to doubt everything and they start to write a story about what's going on that's not being told. And they start to uh, come up with their own beliefs naturally. It's human nature to do it, to, to fill in the blanks. And that is a really dangerous thing for organizations. So, so full transparency, I think, is a foundation for a high trust environment. It, I, I don't think organizations do a good enough job with it. There are ways to get there even when you're uh, hesitant to share information because you're not sure where things are going. And Ben, as a client of Tier 1 and now on the leadership team of Tier 1, how do you see that from both perspectives? Well, maybe I'll just use my experience, right? Uh, stepping into Tier 1 from day one, it was night and day where I could see everything. I mean, I could see how the business is doing, the metrics, the financials. I could see any of my colleagues like presentations and I could dive into anything. That was not the case and is not typically the case in much larger companies. That was really surprising. And to Greg's point, it communicates this level of, oh, this is, this is normal. This is how we show up. Um, so just having the access was one piece of it that I experienced. The other part of it is the combination of that access with how our leaders at Tier 1 are just very open in interpreting it. You know, so there's not 
not hiding any unpleasant news, for example. Um, we're not mm -hmm. hiding any challenging news, but we're upfront about what the challenge is, how we feel about it, what actions we might take. Like, it's just a very adult to adult kind of vibe um, that I remember my probably my first month, there are weekly messages that come in from our Greg and our chief operating officer. And I would, I would read them because I was so used to like reading between the lines in, in the corporate world, like, <laughs> oh, what's really happening? <laughs> and every time there was a consistency in, here is the reality, here is the truth, here is how I think about it, how I feel about it, uh, here's what we can do together. And very quickly, I went from, like, this is, this is unreal, <laughs> I'm kind of skeptical to, oh, <laughs> no, this is just, this is just how we show up, that this is an option, not something I read about in a, a business book as a recommendation. It's actually a way of being. It's, it's really remarkable and empowering. I do want to stay with you for just a second, Ben. Is there anything else that you would love to share about Tier 1 with our listeners? I think about some of the conversation we've had, and I remember, obviously, I've spent 17 years in a really large corporate environment. And I was very fortunate. AT&T was very good to me. And I remember having moments where I would have moments of disengagement, see the way that things were going. And I would start to slip into the idea that, well, this is just how business is. It's not personal. It's just about the money. And start to feel kind of disempowered by that. And on the outside, I felt like I was taking a leap of faith in coming to Tier 1. But I can say very confidently that there are other ways to show up. There are other ways to work. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. So I talked to many of my friends, many of my colleagues, and said, there is another way. There are other options. So I encourage folks to take that to heart and think about what the contribution they want to make is. And obviously that spills over into clients. Greg, is there anything you'd like to add about impact with love or tier one? Well, uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to hear Ben share all that. And honestly, like Ben's story there is a big motivator for uh, why we try to do what we're doing. But I'll also add to it, there's a reality, like we're on a journey like every organization is, like every leadership group is. And it, there, there, we all go through these cycles of, challenge and stress and disengagement is this the right job and the right fit and the right role and right company uh and that happens here too i i think as leaders how we engage in those conversations really matters because we we can't eliminate them part of them are just human dynamics and cycles and that's okay uh it's really having the holding the space for people to process like what what's behind it is it you know what's deeper underneath than just the work and uh, what's holistically going on with an individual and can we help you navigate it? And I, I think that's part of the idea of creating a healthy, high-performing organization. It's it's not always perfect by any means. In fact, it's far from that. If it was, it probably wouldn't be very interesting. So it's this evolution and this journey to try to continue to create something better. And, and what I would say about the book is, you know, while it was written probably a little bit more for people who are building organizations in any kind of leadership role, and from my view, 
leadership is anybody who influences others. So we're all leaders in some ways. Um, I, I, so some of the, some of the very practical stuff is for leaders building companies, but I think the premise of the whole thing is just encouraging people to challenge the way things are and to think differently about work and business and their own roles and how we can create better organizations. So we don't have all the answers. We're still working on them, but hopefully it, it just inspires people to, to challenge and think a little bit differently and, and to try to create a better work environment for themselves and for everyone around them. And I do want to mention that Tier 1 will be a part of our Fall Talent Development Conference and Expo coming up in October. It's October 5th. Uh, we do have early bird registration happening right now through September 12th. But I also want to thank you for being a, a chapter sponsor and for your participation here, not only in the conference, but also in the chapter. How can our ATD Houston chapter members connect with Tier 1 if they want to learn more about what you guys can do to help their organization? Well, certainly our website, tier1performance.com, T-I-E-R, the number one, performance.com. Uh, we're also very active on social media. Connect with us or follow us on LinkedIn. We have a newsletter you can subscribe to uh, that we publish a lot of insights uh, on a pretty much about a monthly basis on things we're seeing in the industry. So those are some ways. And, and uh, I know uh, you can reach out to Ben or I on LinkedIn and connect with us or any other tier one or uh, out there. We're, we're growing in the Houston market. Uh, we've got a number of clients down there. We're excited about uh, everything going on in Houston and even more broadly in Texas. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. And Greg, Ben, I appreciate you guys taking time out again from your busy schedules and joining me here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. I do want to thank you for listening to Train to Win. And be sure to visit our website, tdhouston.org. Again, we mentioned the conference. Uh, also, we ask you subscribe to this show in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever platform you love to use. That way you never miss a show. And hey, while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform. Hey, simply tell a friend about the show, share it with a colleague. And this is Train to Win. It's a production of ATD Houston. See you next time on our next episode of Train to Win. Thanks.